This is CPX number 67, the location of the Eucharist. We are in Catechism of Pope St. Pius X, CPX, page 72 to 73. Question and answer number 18 to 26. God give you his peace and nomine patris et spiritu sancti. Amen. Heavenly King, Consoler Spirit, Spirit of Truth, who are present everywhere and filling all things, treasure of all good and source of all life, come dwell in us, cleanse us and save us, you who are all good. Amen. In nomine Patris Spiritu Santi. Amen. Number 18. Can you tell me why Jesus Christ is whole and entire both in the host and in the chalice? Answer. Both in the host and in the chalice, Jesus Christ is whole and entire because he is living and immortal in the Eucharist as he is in heaven. Hence, where his body is, there also are his blood, his soul, and his divinity. And where his blood is, there also are his body, his soul, and his divinity, all these being inseparable in Jesus Christ. Number 19. When Jesus Christ is in the host, does he cease to be in heaven? Answer. When Jesus Christ is in the host, he does not cease to be in heaven, but is at one and the same time in heaven and in the blessed sacrament. Number 20. Is Jesus Christ present in all the consecrated hosts of the world? Answer, yes, Jesus Christ is present in all the consecrated hosts of the world. Number 21, how can Jesus Christ be present in all the consecrated hosts in the world? Answer, Jesus Christ is present in all the consecrated hosts in the world by the omnipotence of God, to whom nothing is impossible. Number 22, when the host is broken, is the body of Jesus Christ broken also? Answer, when the host is broken, the body of Jesus Christ is not broken, but only the species of the bread are broken. Number 23. In which part of the host is the body of Jesus Christ? Answer. The body of Jesus Christ is entire in all the parts into which the host is broken. Number 24. Is Jesus Christ just as much in a particle of a host as in a whole host? Answer. Yes, the same Jesus Christ is just as much in a particle of a host as in a whole host. Number 25. Why is the most blessed Eucharist preserved in our churches? Answer. The most blessed Eucharist is preserved in our churches that it may be adored by the faithful and brought to the sick when necessary. Number 26. Ought the Eucharist to be adored? Answer. The Eucharist ought to be adored by all because it contains really, truly, and substantially our Lord Jesus Christ himself. Thus are the words of the Holy Pope. So I've noticed there's a lot of misused terms also in theology and philosophy. One of these is a straw man argument. People are getting this wrong a lot. So let me start with Wikipedia's definition. A straw man argument is, quote, an informal fallacy of having the impression of refuting an argument, whereas the real subject of the argument was not addressed or refuted, but instead replaced with a false one, end quote. I would add on top of that that the Straw man argument is often a argument your opponents would never use. Your opponents would never use that. And this is seen against Orthodox Catholics all the time, including coming from unorthodox Catholics. So let me give you a couple examples of this straw man argument. When I was at a Jesuit high school here in Denver about 20 years ago, it was Ascension Thursday or Ascension Week. I don't know if we actually celebrated Mass on the Ascension. And the priest gave a straw man argument against the traditional view of the Ascension. He said, it wasn't like Jesus just took rockets on his sides and just blasted up to heaven. Okay, so what's false about that? What's false is the rockets. Of course, Jesus did not have rockets when he went up on Ascension Thursday. 
But what he expected us all to do as very impressionable high school students is to throw out the baby with the bathwater. The fact is Jesus really did physically go up to heaven in the ascension. That is our Catholic faith. We believe he literally ascended into the heavens, body, blood, soul, and divinity into the heavens. Did he have rockets? Of course not. No saint, no pope, no doctor, no martyr, no mystic has ever said he had rockets. But that's the strongman argument. It's like you, you put on the strongman of rockets and then, of course, it sounds like the whole thing is a fable, which is very destructive to young people's faith. So let me again say the Orthodox faith. Jesus physically went up into the heavens at the ascension, not just spiritually. He physically went up, but of course he didn't have rockets. Okay, everybody should know that. Um, but how does this tie to today? Well, for one, this is Ascension Week. This ties into the Eucharist, the title of CPX today, because Christ's body is really at some real location in the heavens. Not just at every location in the heavens. Of course, at every location in the heavens, he is present as God, the Son, the Eternal Word, the Logos. But his body and his humanity is at some real location in the heavens, not just every location. And if that's hard to believe, it's no harder to believe what we heard today from the Catechism of Pope St. Pius X and number 21 today. How can Jesus Christ be present in all the consecrated hosts in the world? And the Pope answers with childlike simplicity but brilliance. Answer, Jesus Christ is present in all the consecrated hosts in the world by the omnipotence of God to whom nothing is impossible. So how can Jesus be in millions of tabernacles and somewhere in space? Because he's God. And if that takes childlike faith to believe, that's what it's going to take to join him in heaven one day. So the physical body of Jesus is in two places, uh, with the Trinity in heaven, as well as the body of Mary. And I think most saints and doctors of the church would also say the body of St. Joseph and maybe some others, at a real physical location in the heavens. And the body of Jesus... Of course, not the body of Mary and Joseph, but the body of Jesus is in every Catholic church on this planet, as well as every Eastern Orthodox church. Remember, the sacraments and apostolic succession do belong to the Orthodox, but they are in schism with Rome. And they would say the opposite. They would say Rome is in schism from Orthodoxy. But anyway, you can hear the difference between the Eastern Catholic churches and the Eastern Orthodox churches in my CPX 33 that is CPX 33. That was one of the more fun ones that I thought I did that I'm not sure a lot of people listen to, but it's one of my favorites, so I hope you can go back and listen to it to hear again the difference between the Eastern Catholic churches and the Eastern Orthodox churches. The point is that the body of Christ is in every Catholic church and Orthodox church, but the body of Christ is not in Protestant communities. The body of Christ is also in heaven, as we know from the Ascension coming up in a few days, now, let's talk about this straw man argument, another straw man argument that's used against Orthodox Catholics. Again, an argument we would never use. It kind of goes like this. They say, well, the reason why Catholics before Vatican II let the Eucharist dissolve on their tongue and not chew it is because they were afraid they might be biting baby Jesus' little toe. Um, this is really an argument that they, they use against us. Okay, in every lie, there's a little truth. One of, the, one of the tiny parts of truth is, yes, the Eucharist is truly the physical body of Jesus, just as much as, say, his baby toe on his baby person was 2,000 years ago. But like I said in the last CPX, let's remember, the Eucharist is his resurrected body. Pope St. Pius X, he must have known about some of these straw man arguments from Protestants, in how he instructs us in number 22 and 23 today. And actually, I heard that from a, a very liberal Franciscan too, my first year in seminary, was something about 
um, biting Jesus's toe or something. I mean, these people think we're idiots. And this is where we, unfortunately, <laughs> I don't say unfortunately have to stay charitable, but we, we do have to have answers to them and we need to stay charitable. But listen to 22 and 23 today. Pope St. Pius X, he, he already was experiencing modernism in all of its stupidity way back 100 years ago. So he had to answer these things very charitably. Number 22 and 23, when the host is broken, is the body of Jesus Christ broken also? Answer, when the host is broken, the body of Jesus Christ is not broken, but only the species of the bread are broken. Number 23, in which part of the host is the body of Jesus Christ? Answer, the body of Jesus Christ is entire in all the parts into which the host is broken. Now, really quick, if you listen to my last CPX, remember species and accident are the same, but species and accident do not equal substance. So he's not saying there's any bread left. He's just saying the substance of that host, which is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus, simply looks like bread and smells like bread and tastes like bread. And those accidents, those species are broken. But there is literally no bread in your mouth when you receive Holy Communion. There's literally no wine in your mouth. There is only the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Eternal Word, the second person of the Trinity, as you receive Holy Communion or in the tabernacles. Um, it is not bread or wine, but it looks like bread, tastes like bread, smells like wine, tastes like wine, but it's not. So, chewing the Eucharist only harms the accidents, not the substance. Let's talk real quick about letting the Eucharist dissolve on your tongue or chewing the Holy Eucharist. Now, I do realize in Greek, in John 6, the verb there is to gnaw. Um, Christ talks about gnawing his body. It's a very active verb. And this is, this is one reason why people now say, well, the old school Catholics who let the Eucharist dissolve on their tongue... This was, this was anti-scriptural. We're supposed to gnaw on the Eucharist. Okay, maybe, but one reason Catholics used to, and I would say probably still should let the Eucharist dissolve on your tongue, is so you don't get the Eucharist between your teeth. Now, I'm not saying it's a, it's a sin to get the Eucharist between your teeth, but problems come from this. Let me give you an example. Uh, one of my last Novus Ordo parishes, you know, parishes where the Mass is in English, not Latin, one of my very last parishes, I was doing the Latin Mass up there, and then I started kind of bouncing around helping in some other parishes with the Latin Mass. And when I was setting up at one of these parishes in Fort Collins for the Latin Mass, they had a regular Mass in English ending at that time. And as I was about to set up, right in the church, there was a teenage girl. This was about six years ago. She has no idea. I saw her, so no one's going to be embarrassed by me saying this. There was a teenage girl right after Mass. She presumably had received the Eucharist. And as soon as Mass ended, she started chewing gum. Okay, so she's chewing gum in the church right after receiving the Eucharist, probably. What happens to the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus? It gets put into the gum. And where does that gum go? The gum goes into the trash, you know? And so this is just one of a thousand reasons why I think you should probably receive Holy Communion and let the Eucharist dissolve on your tongue. Another weird little reason is, you know, when I have altar servers... And they blow out the candles after Mass. Even after the Latin Mass, I'll often see uh, altar servers blow out the candles. And I'll just very gently say, hey guys, you know, um, <clears throat> either use the snuffer or, or tell me. Because if you're blowing on the candles after Mass, you might be spitting out the Eucharist. But back to this topic about eating food after Mass. You know, the Roman Catholic Church has a fast not only before Mass, but also a fast after Mass. The Church teaches you shouldn't eat food for about 15 minutes after Mass. Why? Because you should not eat until the species is dissolved in your stomach. Again, remember last time in CPX, we learned that species is the same as accidents, which is not 
the substance. So in other words, you can't harm the substance of Christ in the Eucharist. You can't sacrilege it if you don't receive in sanctifying grace. But what we really got to be careful for is um, really anything that is not only sacrilegious but also superficial. And slamming a Big Mac right after you receive Holy Communion isn't the most respectful thing you can do. Uh, I think it's in the Ethiopian Orthodox churches. They have a post-communion fast for hours, literally hours, because they want to respect Jesus in your stomach for that long. Okay, now let's talk, let's shift gears a little bit and talk about the location of Jesus because that's the title of today's CPX and that's what Pope St. Pius X wanted to talk about. Now, sometimes you will hear Christians, both Protestants and even Catholics say, Jesus is God and Jesus is everywhere so I can pray to him just as much in my room as in church. Now, if you, as the friend of the person who said this, if you immediately say no to that person, well, then you deny the divinity of Christ. So let me tell you what this person says again. They say, Jesus is God and God's everywhere so I can pray to him just as much in my room as in church. And again, there's a little truth to that. And if you say no, you you deny the divinity of Christ. And if you say yes, you just justified that person not going to Mass on Sunday. So how do you answer this one? Um, Well, here's how I see it. This is going to sound like a little bit of a weird analogy, but just follow me for a minute. Imagine modern-day Utah, what we call modern-day Utah, but in the year, say, 30 A.D. Imagine modern-day Utah in 30 A.D. And now imagine Palestine or Israel in the year 30 A.D. Jesus is walking around Israel in 30 A.D. Okay, now flip your imagination back to Utah in the year 30 A.D., kind of deserty out there. Is Jesus present in Utah in the year 30 A.D.? The answer is yes. Remember, God the Father is God, God the Son is God, and God the Holy Spirit is God. God the Father is not God the Son, and God the Son is not God the Holy Spirit, and God the Holy Spirit is not God the Father. But God the Son, that is Jesus Christ, he's the eternal word. So was Jesus, as the eternal word, he is God the Son, was he spiritually present in Utah in the year 30 AD? Of course he was. Was Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, was he spiritually present as God, God the Son, the Son of God? Was he spiritually present in Palestine in the year 30 AD? Yes, he was. Okay, so we have, we have a positive answer to both of those. Ah, but was Jesus of Nazareth in his humanity present in the year 30 AD in modern-day Utah? No. Was Jesus of Nazareth in his humanity present in 30 AD in what we would now call Palestine or Israel? Yes, he was. And this is the difference. This is what you can say to your friends. You can say, you're absolutely right. Jesus is God. God the Son is in your room. You can adore God the Son in your room. You can talk to God the Son in your bedroom. But if you had the chance in the year 30 AD, if you had a time machine, would you rather take that time machine back to Utah 30 AD or to Palestine 30 AD? Anybody who loves Christ, whether evangelical, conservative Catholic, traditional Catholic, even probably liberal Catholic, would say, well, yeah, I'd rather go to take the time machine to be with Jesus in his humanity. That's what's so astonishing about the Eucharist is, yes, God the Son is present everywhere in his divinity. And even though by this next line, I don't mean to say the Eucharist isn't Christ's divinity, because it's certainly his his divinity. And we would even go so far as to say, 
being with Christ in the Eucharist is being with Christ's divinity par excellence in a way you can't even do in his room. So I'm not saying the next line eschews his divinity. But when you are with Jesus in the Eucharist, you are with his humanity. You are literally with Jesus of Nazareth. So what would you, where would you rather be praying? In your room with God the Son? Or in a Catholic church before God the Son who is also Jesus of Nazareth in his humanity? See, that's the difference. This is why it's so valuable to go before Christ in a tabernacle, to be on our knees and worship him. Jesus is everywhere, but par excellence his divinity and especially his humanity is present in the churches. And one more closing thought for you. You know, this week, today while I'm recording this, which is probably yesterday for most of you or two days ago, but I'm recording this on the Feast of St. Philip and St. James. The gospel today was John 14, and St. Philip says to our Lord Jesus, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been so long a time with you, and you have not known me? Philip, he who sees me sees also the Father. So again, God the Father and God the Holy Spirit are not hypostatically joined to the species of the Eucharist. Only God the Son is hypostatically attached to the Eucharist. However, in some sense, when you receive the Eucharist, you receive the whole Trinity. So also in exposition of the Blessed Sacrament, when you are looking at the body and blood, soul, and divinity of God the Son, in some sense, if we extrapolate from John 14 there, you are also looking at the Trinity. Of course, no man has seen God, but he who sees Christ also sees the Father, as we just learned in John 14. Christ says, Philip, he who sees me also sees the Father. So you are with the entire Trinity in a manner par excellence when you are with Christ in the Eucharist. Please say, an Our Father for me, et benedictio Dei omnipotentis, patris, et filii, et spiritus sancti, descendit super vos et maniat semper. Amen.